This is the Reclaiming Families podcast. It is our goal to expose the lies that undermine, erode, and destroy the family while discovering and reclaiming God's design for gender, marriage, family, and sexuality. So join us for open conversation about the struggles and joys of reclaiming families. Welcome back to another great episode of Reclaiming Families. We are excited to be here. This is a um, going to be another just fantastic episode. We're following the um, Hawkins family. But before we get into that, we just want to remind you all that if you're listening to this on Spotify or iTunes, if you could give this a five-star rating, that we would really appreciate that. It'll help get the uh, podcast out there. And then also on Facebook and Instagram, follow us. Check out our website. There's a lot of great content there. And uh, yeah, just uh, continue on along with our journey. That's right. And so as Randy said, we are continuing on with our series in Warm Homes. And if you listened a few weeks ago, you got to hear from the Dooleys, Jim and Janice, the parents. And then the next week, we had um, the five Dooley, or I guess four of the five Dooley siblings on the podcast. And so this week, we're doing something a little bit different Last week, if you listened, we had Jim Hawkins, and he talked a little bit about um, his home and his family and how he has he and his wife together have tried to create a warm home that follows hard after the Lord. And we wanted to kind of put some emphasis on how that can play through in different generations. And so we have today four of his grandkids on the podcast, um, so they're cousins, and they are going to talk about kind of the Hawkins family legacy, and so welcome, you guys, to the Reclaiming Families podcast. Um, we're excited for y'all to be here. If you would, just kind of go through, and maybe to make it easy, you could just go oldest to youngest or something like that, and introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about who you are, um, and you know, kind of your, whose kids you are, so the kind of the connection to your grandpa. Yeah, so my name is Coleman. Uh, I'm actually the second oldest. Uh, my oldest cousin, Katie, uh, couldn't be on here tonight, and her sister also, um, Marky, wasn't able to be here. Um, they're Steve, the oldest brother of the three brothers. Um, they're Steve's daughters. My dad is Chris. He's the baby of the family. And then who's next? Me. Yeah, Do you want to tell about your family? Your yeah. Tell us about your family, Coleman. Introduce me. Well, yeah. yeah, so uh, I'm married to Sarah, and we have um, a lovely daughter named Oakley. We live in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Awesome. Thank you. Um, I'm the second, right? I'm older than Garrett. Yep. Yeah. Um, and I never let him forget it, right? Respect your elders, right? Um I'm Kayla Dooley, and yes, I'm not Hawkins anymore. I married David Dooley, um, who is, who y'all heard from a couple of weeks ago from the other episodes, and um, we have a little baby named Graham, and he is three months old, and I'm, I'm also Chris's daughter, so me and Coleman are siblings. Yep. I'm Garrett Hawkins. Um, so again, out of uh, Pa and Nanny's kids, Steve was the oldest, Chris was the youngest. Our dad, me and Griff's dad, is Jeff, the middle child. Um, so 
Again, my name is Garrett Hawkins. Uh, I'm married to Elizabeth, and we have a 20-month-old son named Sawyer. We live here in Cookville, Tennessee. Thanks. Uh, yeah, and I'm Griffin. I am the baby, um, everyone's favorite. The baby <laughs> of everybody. You no, are I'm the baby. I am the absolute baby. Yeah. Well, of the grandkids. Of the grandkids. So there's, yeah. there's younger ones now. But, um, but yeah, like Garrett said, I am Jeff's uh, youngest son. Uh, I got married last summer to my wife, Danielle, and we are both finishing up our undergraduate degrees at Tennessee Tech here in Cookville. Cool. Thanks, it's good guys. school. Good school. Check mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, so let's... Uh, yeah, one thing that we noticed about the, the Hawkins family and uh, it's just the family unity around holidays, around beach trips and stuff like that. And so, Especially Christmas. I feel like, you know, that's what we've heard you guys really, you know, there's a lot, there's yeah. a lot to do about Christmas and, that we've heard about. Yeah, and I've heard too, like, it's like, okay, well now we're, you know, some of you are married, you're like, okay, now we got, you know, we got, we got split up holidays and and it's kind of like, hey, I love both these families that we're married into so much. And uh, and so I've heard, you know, some of the struggle, you know, not much, but just some of the struggle of, okay, we're going we're gonna to have to give and take and sacrifice a little bit. So what do you think creates that unity in the Hawkins family? It's kind of a, a, a big question, but what makes like the, the holidays and beach trips so special or, or sweet for, the, for you all? Yeah, that's a... Uh... Great question. I, I would say it all really starts with our relationship with God. I, I, you know, we we just shake our head like that's a given, but you know, we all have the same mindset. In fact, that we want to walk in light of uh, the gospel and we want to honor Christ with our lives. And we it started with our grandfather and grandmother, and we've seen that example. And so, when we're around each other, we're having fun and we're joyful and we're laughing together. And and you know, we shrug off things if we you know. If, somebody gets their feelings hurt you shrug it off you know it's like you're there's that unity that's that's deeper than just having fun together you know we're Mm -hmm. we're really seeking to enjoy fellowship with one another and it's funny if you're around us long enough with all of us together you'll hear one of the brothers say it's all about fellowship you know and it's because we're actually having deep not just friendship and fellowship but i think it's gospel fellowship that's good what else do y'all think any other perspectives? Well, definitely, I mean, that, that is the heart of it. Um, I don't think anything can gel together um, compared to how it is when each member of the family has a relationship with Christ. Um, so there's that deeper bond that we have. But I feel like a lot of it did stem from Pa um, and the way he led our family. And I, I was talking with him about it the other night. It's just he always would create opportunities for all of us to spend time with each other. Um, whether that was just, I mean, when we were young, he built a pool in the backyard and we were just over there every day. Um, that going on beach trips together, um, around Christmas, we go caroling together. Uh, he literally just created all these opportunities, um, for a welcoming and, um, environment for all of us just to be together and because he would always do that it uh i don't know it kind of created such a like a desire for us to want to spend mm-hmm. time with each other i feel like that I, I don't know i kind of look back at that kind of playing a big part in it so mm-hmm. when you say stuff like christmas and and uh, like the vacations and things like that to give some examples like every every christmas we all go christmas caroling together like the whole family goes and sings at a bunch of these different um 
houses for you know we've done it for I've done it all my life yeah, like when I was a baby I was you know yeah, all yeah. of us have and uh, so that, that you know that's something fun we we go to the beach go to the lake together um, I mean we literally we grew up in the same town and so I mean we almost practically got to a point where we saw each other every day and Paul would always name Paul would always just, again, just they would create their home, to, just a warm environment to where we could all come together. It was always a center point that, like, no matter what we were doing, we always kind of all ended up there together, mm-hmm. no matter what was going on. If we were all in the middle of school, it almost always ended up we were all there after school. Mm-hmm. And and so, like Garrett said, you know, like, it was always just a matter of how Nanny and Pa did things. It, we all just were brought into that just because it was so easy and it was always, we all just wanted it because it was so easy and it was just so welcoming. And quite literally center, like they literally, like where we all wound up, they yeah. literally lived in the center of that little, yeah. like in town and yeah, that yeah. sort of thing. That's the door's cool. always up. Yeah. So side note real quick to anyone listening. We just lost Kayla for a little bit. She is going to go do some mommy duties, but she might or might not be back. But just wanted to let you know that if you do not hear another woman's voice other than mine at this point, it's because Kayla had to step out. But also, going back to what you guys said, this is a side note, kind of um, not very important. But you talk about like Christmas caroling. Um, Last week they talked about the quartet. And I'm just wondering if there's any Hawkins that does not have the, um, the gift of music. I think all of the ones that are like, I'm going to say the ones that married in may have not got it. <laughs> <laughs> but anyone with Hawkins blood. I feel like it's pretty strong. Oh, yeah. Otherwise. But the cool thing is, here's, I I don't know, I can't remember a time where I've been at my grandparents' house and my grandfather's come in from work and he's not been seen. Mm-hmm. Like he always sings, or whistling, or whistling, or or humming yeah, something, yeah. and most of the time it's a hymn or a or gospel, southern gospel song. So music has been such a vital part of his relationship with God and how he's served the the people around him. That that just it's cool. He never made us sing, but we saw how much he loved it, and all of us wanted to do what our grandfather loved mm-hmm. to do, and followed that joy for him. And he passed that down to our dads. Oh, yeah. Um, and um, that, I, I kind of look back on that because at a young age, when your dads and your your, grandpa, your grandpa, you know, they get up on stage and uh, are singing truth, you know, right. um, you know, even at a young age, that truth starts to enter, you know, starts entering your life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it starts becoming more solid. So I look back, not only from Pa, but how he... Uh, led that for dad, Chris, and Steve, but then how that just naturally filtered to us, too. How, so, because, yeah, so not only has it played a big part of their lives, but it just naturally went into our lives as well. Yeah, I know, I know for me personally, um, oh, yeah, like I, music growing up, like we, as we've already been said, it was very important in our family, but for me specifically, music played a massive role in like strengthening and solidifying my faith. Hmm. Um, probably more so than anything else in my life. Um, and, and that was a lot because of how Pa carried, carried himself, went about his life, how he passed that down to our dads. Um, and now I'm singing in the quartet with my dad and our uncles and stuff. So like, that's cool. It's always played a really important part in my life, specifically just because I feel like because of how I saw, like Coleman said, how Pa's faith 
was so impacted by music that really played a massive part in my faith. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I, uh, uh, let's, I mean, I think, I think Coleman told me that day is like, man, there's so much to the singing. Yeah. And, uh, in your, in your Paul's life and, and, uh, and yeah, I think it'd just take a long, long time to back it all. We uh, we got to move on to some more questions. We got uh, yeah. What are some things that you've seen your parents do um, that you see coming from your grandparents? So we kind of talked about singing a little bit, but what's something that you you see you kind of like now as a uh, maybe a dad, a married man, you kind of see um, things that your parents do. You're like, hey, they got that from my grandpa. Yeah. What two things come to mind off the bat. The first one is the marriages that, that we see that, that, that the grandkids have gotten to see are some strong, wonderful, godly marriages. Mm-hmm. And my, my grandmother is one of the greatest helpmates I've ever seen in my life. There's not a time my grandpa used to lead worship that he's, he's led worship at pretty much every church he's been at. And my grandmother has always been on a piano right next to him on the stage playing the music as he's leading worship. Yeah. And I remember going and sitting beside her while service is going on in the back of the piano, by the, by the piano. That's some of the youngest memories that I have of being at um, the, their old church that they used to go to at Bangham. And when, when she did that, there was always a joyfulness of watching her husband singing in front and her being able to play the piano and help help him beside that that's just one example going back to the music too but to see her um serving and loving my grandfather all all throughout my lifetime and to see their relationship they call each other bud because (laughs) they they're best friends they love each other their 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 relationship and marriage is wonderful and they they serve and respect one another and that and that's trickled down into all of the boys married godly women and chose to marry these solid godly women who have, have continued to, to build the family up. In fact, you know, in, in the fact of how they've raised us as, as kids. And um, so I think that's the first thing that comes to mind is the marriage that we've seen um, play out in front of us. The, another huge one is the consistency of character. If you talk to my grandfather and he say you were the president and CEO of a company and came and talked to him. He, and, and then the janitor of that same company came up and talked to him. He talked to those two people the same exact way. He'd present himself the same exact way. If you were, if you saw him in church or if you saw him out on, 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 you know, eating dinner somewhere, he'd be the same exact person in both of those settings. His character is consistent across the board. And the man that he presented himself to be in this last week on the podcast I, throughout my entire life, haven't had anything that would tell me otherwise who he says he is as the man that he is. And that's the same way with my, my dad and my uncles. Like, their, their character is consistent throughout their, their entire life. And so we've gotten to see a picture of two generations of men and women that are consistent in the character throughout everything that they do. And I think that's... That's how us to do. So. Yeah, to stay, be the same person and walk in a manner worthy of the gospel wherever you're at. And, and continue that throughout your entire life in all stages. I think another thing that pa, definitely started with Pa, but was also carried on by uh, Steve, Chris, and Dad was like just their selflessness and their servant's heart. I don't think I've ever met someone 
who I like who I could be more confident in the fact that like if I needed them right now they'd be there hmm. that's good you know, like if any Paul would offer the shirt off his back to anyone I've seen him do it I, yeah <laughs> we've all seen him actually do that yeah. um, and same with like my dad and I know Chris and Steve are the exact same way like I think that's been really um, impactful to see just because kind of like Coleman said you know like that just instills in us that gospel mindset and that gospel uh, living because they have always, it's never even been a thought. It's just, that's what you do. That's the first instinct, the first response to any situation, um, which has definitely been uh, impactful to see growing up. And I know it's probably similar to what um, Coleman and Griffin are saying, but, you know, I think Pod talked a lot about it on the podcast when he was on about living out your faith in front of your children. Yeah. And, it's very evident in Pa's life that he didn't just beat it over the head with uh, with our dads um, that this is what you need, this is what you need to do, this is what you need to do. No, Pa lived it out, and that's the way um, our dads were um, with how instead of just telling us what to do, no, they actually put what they preached to practice, and um, that's encouraged, I think, us to be uh, men of integrity and men of our word, um, but definitely make sure that we're living it out on a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. So, that's good. Yeah, I, I, just a question: like, would y'all say that uh, you're pretty, uh, pretty open with, like, hey, how are y'all doing? Like, just how the gospel impacts your life. You think is it a is it a conversation that y'all have quite a bit? Like, between the family, yeah, between the family, so? yeah, that's right, or yeah, the cousins. Yeah, we we um, we talk a lot about like how it, it the conversations naturally go to those things. You know, we'll ask each other. You know, man, how's how's it been recently? It's like how's it been? You know, being married. Griffin just got married last summer. You know, how's how's that been? That those conversations will go into well, what does it look like to be a godly husband? Right? What does it look like to serve your wife? So the the foundation of all that stuff will always go back to your relationship with Christ, and you know. It's because that's the pillar of what we've built our life on. When we trusted Christ with our lives individually, right? We say Christ is our King and Lord, and we want to follow Him. And so you got somebody else that's doing the same thing. It's naturally going to go back to those those uh, basic pillars of of faith. And so, yeah, it's a it's a conversation we, that that comes up often when we're when we're together. And uh, if if we're not laughing and goofing off and having fun. <laughs> Like we're having conversations about how's life going, how you doing, and encouraging one another. What about? For, or go ahead, Griffin. I, I just wanted to say I know for me sitting here when you asked that question, I just immediately started thinking and got emotional sitting here because if there was ever a conversation or a question that I had about anything faith based, it always started with one of these two guys I'm sitting next to. Mm, that's cool. Never once did a conversation about <laughs> faith in any aspect start anywhere other than these two. And I think, again, that just goes back to the unity in our family because I knew that I didn't need to look any further than right here um, when it came to anything uh, with my faith. So We've not only had all these conversations amongst ourselves, which that's really cool that uh, us grandkids are having, but like, I found myself having conversations with Uncle Chris mm-hmm. um, and where I've been having issues with just uh, being a godly father and uh, Uncle Chris just pointing into my life, Uncle Steve. And man, I mean, the whole family, it's just like, like uh, Coleman was talking about earlier when, 
um, when you have, and that's what's so cool about Paul, like when you started off um, on the gospel and how that's filtered all into our lives, like it's just, it's cool how that impacts it all. So, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. Well, that kind of brings me around. Like I know that, you know, obviously no family's perfect and there's conflict and things like that. And I'm just curious how, you know, resolving or working through conflict normally works in y'all's lives and in your families. Yeah, that's uh, that's an interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes that might be the that might be one of the things that's hard for us is um, it's hard to to uh, admit conflict, right? Mm-hmm. If it's there, that might be one of our one of our things that we struggle with, one of our downfalls. If, our, our tendency probably would be if we feel a little bit of conflict to, to maybe shrug it off and say like, mm-hmm. and sometimes that's, uh, that's appropriate. Like yeah. you just, like I said earlier, you just kind of let things go off your back because you know the other person loves you and it's not that big of a deal and you get over it later. Yeah. But if there's some, like real conflict that happens, you know, I think that's something that, that you know, it's, it's hard sometimes for us to move towards that, that kind of conversation of like, man, that, that actually hurt my feelings or that, that impacted. But in the long run, we'll come back to it if it stays with us over a long period of time. Yeah, I, so. I definitely think, again, going back to Paul, I feel like he just was, he always, I don't think he ever really had to say it, but it was always just kind of an an understanding that, like, nothing was going to be, like, I don't know how to say it, nothing was going to be dwelled on, mm-hmm. or nothing, like, it was going to get resolved at some point, and right. it wasn't, like, I don't, and I don't know, I, I don't think Paul ever, like, really did anything to voice that, but it was always just kind of the way we went about everything else. It was like, okay, I either need to fix this or just let it go because otherwise it ain't going to work. Yeah. Um, At least that's how I've always felt. Yeah. Like keeping no record of wrongs. Yeah. That's a better way to say it. And and thinking highly of each other. Like we're we're just, yeah, or valuing the importance of family and the unity of family. I've know I found myself, like, I think there's been times like maybe with Griffin or, or I don't know, uh, some other, you know, uh, siblings, we get to into it, get into it with each other a little bit easier than everybody else. But um, because of that precedent that's been set by Pa and our parents, that bond that we have, we really treasure to stre- keep that strong. And so when I've had conflict uh, come up between maybe some of our family, I um, my usually go to is I, I just go to God in prayer um, and ask God to give me the right words to handle that way that it glorifies him Mm -hmm. and that again that it continues to strengthen that bond and not end it because you know we've you've heard many stories of conflict coming up that could split a family in half um from just smallest thing or i mean very big issues um but again that um that idea that i don't know that we're Paul treasured that. I mean, I know he even said on the podcast, it's like, I've even struggled putting family before God. I mean, that's, family's just so important. So I think because of that, that's always kind of guided me. And when, if I need to address any kind of conflict, again, I just go to God in prayer that when we, uh, when I need to address this, that I just pray that I glorify him and how I address it. And also that, that, that bond is still strong, you know, that we don't do anything to try to tear it down. It's good. I like that. It's like a, it's like a conscious recognizing, you know, of the importance of family. Then, you know, it's like the unity of family and said, you know, it's, it's not flipping. It's not something flippantly we just discard or break or, you know, it's something we, we're really protecting the guard. And, and, uh, so, uh, I think that's, that's powerful. I, um, 
So let's go back on the script here. We went off script a little bit. Let's, uh, <laughs> okay. Y'all did a great job. Um, so what family values? We've talked about a few things, but uh, like the values such as, I don't know, hard work or, you know, things along those lines. Because y'all have talked a lot about how it's the character that like, you know, the character of marriage, the consistency, the selflessness, the servant's heart that's kind of been passed down. And so, you know, there's kind of values that fall under those things even more specifically. Absolutely. And so, and we want to know kind of from your perspective, what do you see uh, as the values that have been passed down to you? So it might be, you know, kind of difficult to discern them, but, uh, and the values that you think have been passed down through, yeah, your parents to you, the generations. Like, what a, what would you say Hawkins value, maybe? And I, uh, it doesn't have to be overall. It could be individually. Yeah, it doesn't have to be, like I said, it doesn't have to be. Uh, and then how do you see those values playing out in your lives? That's the question. I, I definitely think hard work. Um, with it, you can't see how Pa carried himself and how our dads have carried themselves and not see the work that they put in. Um, and that's definitely one that I carry with me because, like, I mean, you look back at Pa, he worked full time for the electric uh, department for what uh, forty years, thirty, 40 30, 40 years. years. Yeah, um, never missed a ball game. Was the coach ninety percent of the time? He was the coach, coach for all three boys. Yeah, never missed. Like Dad did, uh, got into more like choir stuff once he got uh, further on in school. Never missed one of his concerts. Like he was always there, but he was also working full time. Um, and that's the same with our dads. Um, I know, my, like Jeff. Our dad was the coach of our teams growing up and never missed an event that we were a part of, uh, but again, was working full time to uh, provide for us. Um, same with y'all's dad and same with Steve. Um, and that's something that's been passed down to, like, I know specifically I'm, I've been studying mechanical engineering. I plan on going to law school after I graduate. Um, and so like that mantra of you've got to put the work and the work in to that. Yeah. Pa's always said the sky's the limit. Exactly. Yeah. If you work hard. So. Yeah. And you think about the, the like uncle Steve was a Tennessee tech baseball hall of fame uh, player. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It doesn't happen when without hard work, right. you know, uncle Jeff just recently um, sang in one of the best uh, gospel quartets in, you know, that the country, are, yeah. in the country. Right. And that doesn't take, you know, like that doesn't just easily happen, you know, like those things are things that they've tried to push towards and, and it's difficult and diligence is, is and hard worker. Definitely. Yeah. It's a huge part. And then y'all's dad started a franchise that was just with, it was originally just the brothers right. and now look, and now it's, it is, yeah. it spans the state. It covers. Like, now the Randy South works the- for him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I work for <laughs> And it's hard work. You know, I mean, it's hot out there. Yeah, you know? yeah it's hard work. And it's there funny. It's like, I know that, you know, uh, Coleman's father, you know, Chris, like, he probably doesn't have to go to work. You know I mean? He could probably just, you know, sit home and, and uh, you know, the business really, you know, it'd make decent, but he chooses to go to work anyways and uh, keep up, you know. And so it's like, he's not scared of hard work. He just, he does it. I'm not scared a bit of it. What are some other values that uh, you've seen past them? So that's hard work. And just so everybody knows, Kayla has rejoined us. So we're excited about that. Um, yes. Sorry about that. <laughs> it happens life, I guess. Yep. Man, one thing, I guess, I don't know if y'all talked about respect yet. We have not. But, so, uh, okay. Well, respect is a big value. And Lord, I respect my parents a whole ton after becoming a parent. <laughs> you know, like that comes full circle. So I have a whole lot of respect for my parents just 
um, how they raised me and, and I have a whole lot of respect for my grandparents and, uh, it's cool because I feel like that's just something ingrained in our family. Um, because I've seen my dad respect his parents and then it's easy for us to respect him because it just kind of follows suit. It kind of just trickles down. I remember listening to David's podcast and he was talking about how, or the Dooley podcast with David on it. And he was talking about how his dad had so much respect for his pops and that trickled down to him. And so they have, it's just cool how that just continues to go. But I think respect is a, a huge value for our family. And, um, yeah, right now I'm feeling a lot of respect for my mom specifically (laughs) (laughs) and putting up with my crying little, uh, self when I was a baby. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Thanks. I think, um, I think loving others as, as you would want them to love, like, like, um, treating others the same way you'd want to be treated. Uh, like Christ said, I've, I've seen, you know, love your neighbor as yourself play out very simply, but very consistently. Um, uh, 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 so many people have, um, have borrowed things from our grandfather and, and, you know, he's got, uh, different uh, trailers and things that they, Hey, we need to, we need to borrow a trailer or something like that. Sure. Take it. Go ahead. Borrow cars, borrow, you know, and, and really not just doing that, uh, when somebody asks, but I've seen him and, and our dads ask people if they need help and offer things to them. You know, that's another, I guess, level of loving, loving your neighbor as yourself, loving the people around you. Um, that, that's, uh, I think a, a big value is it's whoever's beside you, you're rubbing shoulders with on a regular day to day basis is, uh, you know, treating them with respect also and, and trying to serve them, um, like you would want somebody to serve you. That's good. Yeah. It sounds like too, like a servant's heart. Like you, you kind of said loving other people also, you know, from what we kind of gleaned, you know, before was a servant's heart and, that's cool. So, how, how did your parents? We talked a little bit about it, you know, like they, um, like your dad respected his dad, um, but but how did your parents really pass their values down to you? How did you see that playing out? Oh, my dad is a huge storyteller. Um, this is something I was thinking of when I read y'all's questions. I just remember him leading by example. Um, and honestly, Paul did this too. I just could sit down and you could listen to story after story after story of things they did really well and things they did really poorly. Like they were really open about both. And, um, and it's just really sweet to be able to sit down and, and listen to stories and it makes it relatable, you know, like, how were you in high school, dad? Like, what was, tell me this story again. How did this play out when you went, uh, well, um, I won't tell any of the story. I'll yeah, just have to ask right. good high school stories. But <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to get into those. Um, but he was really honest with us about it and uh, was just like, yeah, this is how it happened. And this is probably what I shouldn't have done. And this is what I should have done. And um, and Paul would do the same thing. I've heard stories from Nanny. And uh, so that was one of the big ways I think that I really learned, you know, how to live was just through those stories um i think one thing that dad uh our dad did really well with um which again started with how pod did it with him but like you know kind of like coleman mentioned um, steve was a hall of like a college hall of fame baseball player 
baseball, football, like all the sports were always big in our family. But one thing that our dad did um, really well with was like we never felt pressured to continue in a sport or in some an activity because they wanted us to do it or he wanted us to do it. Um, don't don't get me wrong. Part of the motivation for me, at least, to play baseball as long as I did was like it's what the Hawkins do, kind of a thing. Like you know, but it was never a pressure. It was never whenever we wanted to try something new. Dad was the first one to help us in that process. Um, like Garrett and I, we both played baseball growing up. When we got to high school, we didn't want to play baseball anymore. And we did uh, more stuff with the music uh, department at high school. Dad, again, was the first one to support that um, in every aspect and to help along the way when he could because uh, he wanted to be there for us. And, again, he never missed a show, a concert, anything. Um, and, again, it was just – it was always support. There was never any pressure to do something differently or do it – um, his way he always wanted us to be able to do what we wanted to do um, and he was always there to help and support in any way he could I think that that where it comes back to how did they they help us instill those values into us it was in whatever scenario we were in doesn't matter you know what we were doing or where we were at they were with us and they were around us you can't be in nobody can instill values in you if you're not there mm-hmm. and the other thing is if you don't embody those values if you're not consistent with those values yourself you can't instill those into somebody else Mm -hmm. so they were present and they were consistent Mm -hmm. and those are the two biggest that's how you that's how you instill values into into somebody when you see them all the time in whatever context like griffin was saying doesn't matter if it's baseball or singing or you know your how you treat your neighbors or whatever those values can play out in all kinds of different circumstances and when you get to see Somebody who's living those out as a as a young kid, as as a child, as a grandchild. You, when you start to see somebody living a respectable life, you want to respect them and emulate that. And we got to see that. And I think a way that we got we got passed down the, those values is we were shown a ton of examples because our family was so tight. We saw a ton of examples of of these wonderful values played out in other people's lives. I got to see all my uncles and aunts and cousins living out the same values that were important to my family. Mm, And because of that was consistency again and presence of those values all the time. Yeah. And and kind of back to the singing and music again, all the music that we heard growing up with Pa and Glory Landers, the Southern Gospel Quartet, again, all that music was full of, the truth of God's word. And from as being, at least for me, I don't know about how y'all were, but like from a little age hearing songs about how much Jesus loved us and how much, you know, how much hope there is because he is alive. Um, like I've seen, it's just filtered into my heart and helped me through some of the hard times in my life. And then back to like the consistency, um, you know, with Pa and dad and Chris and Steve, like, the stuff that they sing on stage about the truth of God's word. Again, they put that into practice. Um, like when, you know, some of the song, a lot of the songs that they sing are about, again, the hope that we have in Christ. Um, I don't know, what was it maybe 10 years ago or six years ago that my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer. And instead of maybe falling into depression or despair or anger, um, I saw my dad and my mom just, put their trust in God, again, applying all this truth that we've heard all this year in their lives and just living it out and being consistent in what they've preached to us, but also, again, living it out. 
um, that is that that's a way I also feel like the music has been a big part of how they've also instilled a lot of things in our lives. Yep. Well, go ahead. Well, well, what were you well, doing? I was going to say, let me, let me, let me oh, yeah. continue on this conversation. So tell me as far as, you know, we talked about the music a little bit and that instilled, but what about as far as conversations was, was, uh, values of like, Hey son, this is, or daughter, this is why we do this. Or, Hey, this is why this is important. Did they have conversations with you throughout the, the years? You're shaking your head. Yeah. yeah what, I, um, what does it look like? I definitely remember. I think that what they did really well um, was the consistency thing and they were the same and they lived it out in front of us, like they were saying. Um, and then, you know, like every once in a while they'd sit down and be like, this is why, you know, like I remember going to uh dad would drive me and Coleman to school every morning and there would always be, or most of the time be like a really good topic that he would talk about. And I feel like he would just kind of ramble on about, um, through a story a lot of times, but tell us kind of the why behind how he acts and why he was raised this way and why life worked best like this, because he knew from experience and he knew from, you know, what, what God speaks of, what's, uh, glorifying to the Lord and how God designed life to work best. And then, um, dad would sit us down and, and, uh, talk to us about those things. It wasn't like a, Hey, family meeting, everybody. It was just like, Hey, on the way to the grocery store, let's talk about this really good topic uh, as a family um, or around the dinner table or different things like that. So it wasn't like some formal setting. It was just kind of like we did life with them. And then every once in a while, they'd be like, okay, this is a good moment for a little bitty uh, nugget of wisdom. Let's tell them like why we act like this or why we treat people this way or, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, they never would pass up an opportunity. I feel like all of them, uh, I know like my parents, but like I said, Uncle Chris, there's been times where we've just in our conversation about the, just the stresses of early adulthood and uncle Chris, he, he would never, you know, he just wouldn't miss a beat. He'd just jump right in and start uh, having those conversations. I mean, one thing that I think of too, that's conversation wise about them, um, especially instilling like that idea of respect that Kayla was talking about, um, even from an early age, like when it came to things like discipline with dad, um, after every time like we, me and Griff would do something wrong, or to disobey our parents um, at a young age. You know, dad, before he would actually, I mean, he would spank us, um, but before he would actually do anything like that, he actually would sit both me and Griffin down and say, listen, I, I don't do this because I enjoy this. I do this because I love you and I want you to be better. And I want you, you know, we're trying to instill this idea of respecting your adult, your parents, and also just not only parents, but authority. One thing he would say to me as a little kid that always it, it really got me is like, I don't want you to end up like the bad guys on TV. Because I was a big story guy. I'm still a big story guy. Um, and movies and TV shows and whatnot. He knew that. But, um, you know, it's like, you know, the bad guys on TV didn't have parents that disciplined their kids. Hmm. And he's like, I want you to not end up like that. I remember, like, the, even at an early age, that was, that was another thing, like, he'd have with me and Griff. That, and it, even at a young age, I was like, oh. Well, that makes sense. And he's like, all right, son. <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> I, I know uh, kind of like what uh, Kayla said, like it was, it was never a big ordeal. Um, it was always just, it just always ended, whatever you were talking about, it always ended up at some life lesson, 
that you you either heard a thousand times, but it was good to hear again. Or (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've been told working at a grocery store is going to make you a better man. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, but he's not wrong. He's not wrong. And it's like that. Like every time you're talking to any of the the brothers or pa, it always ends on a note of this is why or. this is how you should handle something. Like it, it always ended with the life lesson. It was almost like an Andy Griffith episode. Like every time it ended with a life lesson and like, that was just every conversation. Um, because again, like Kayla said, it wasn't this big thing that they had to go out of their way and preach at us. It was always just while they're living out their lives and living by example, they're just sprinkling in words of wisdom everywhere. And, and we were just soaking it up, you know, at every chance we got. So cool. You know, going back a little bit, Garrett kind of opened up this conversation about discipline. And, you know, it's funny. You said, you know, the bad guys on TV, their parents didn't discipline them. And, you know, there's no way for us to know that. But at the same time, there kind of is a little bit. And so um, discipline is really big. And I think as we talk about the themes of warm homes, that's something that, you know, we're trying to figure out. I imagine, Garrett, that's probably something you're trying to figure out. Um, and you know, we'll, we'll all be there trying to figure it out at some point, but what are some of the ways that your parents disciplined you guys and and what sticks out about their disciplining you? And going off what Garrett said, like he did mention, like, you know, we, depending on what it was, it was always, it never was the same thing every time. Like it was obviously uh, situational, but like we did get spanked, um, which I know is kind of a controversial thing nowadays. Um, <laughs> we never felt like threatened. No, it was never out of fear and like Garrett's abuse. Right, like right, right. Um, and kind of like what Garrett already mentioned, every time before dad would, he would be like, son, this hurts me than it, more than it's going to hurt you. Hmm. Um, and I do this because I love you. Um, and it was always, and again, yeah, it wasn't fun, but and because that's as a kid, you're just thinking of, ow, this hurts. But in the grand scheme of things, it was impactful to be disciplined that way because, again, like you said, it was ne- I was never walking around worried that my dad was just going to haul off and beat the snot out of me for no reason. It was always, I'm doing this because I love you and yeah. because I want you to understand, you know, why this was wrong. Um, and so I think that was super big, um, in my growing up and, and I'll be honest, I probably got spanked more than anybody else in the yeah, family. I actually, I actually didn't have to get spanked as much because yeah. I saw Griff get spanked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, I'm going to get trouble. So, but I, if I could go back and not get any of them, I wouldn't because <laughs> they made me who I am today. So <laughs> I think our, our, I can say this confidently and, and, you know, Uncle Steve or Uncle Jeff never spanked me, you know, as their as their nephew. But I can say confidently that none of us grandkids, were, when we were disciplined, were ever disciplined to where it impeded our understanding that our parents loved us. That's good. We always knew that the discipline that we were receiving was because they cared about us, even though in the moment we didn't want it, and even though in the moment we were probably mad and frustrated. But we knew that it was it was never out of it was never out of anger that they were you know just like flying off and doing this, but it was always out of a, a, a love that that they were doing that um, for us. And and yeah, we got we got spanked. My dad said this. He he always likes to say like 
my mom, it was the defensive line, like in a football team, right? My mom's the defensive line and dad's the linebacker. If they <laughs> hit through the defensive line, the linebacker come in. That's and right. Go hit him in the mouth. But, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Because, but the thing was like, all of us got to, like our mom stayed home with us, all of us. Um, until we got up into the time where we were in school and then like, Aunt Lua is a teacher, and so the boys were in school with her teaching. Aunt Nan is a you know executive um, administrator, administrator. Yeah. and so she was. They were they were in the schools with us, and then my mom also subbed and did a lot of things there too. So, but all of the moms stayed home with us, and so they were the first line of discipline all the time. And I know you guys heard it, and I heard it, and I'm sure Katie Martin heard it, but like, okay, well, when your dad gets home, you know that that phrase was like. <laughs> Oh no, it ruined the entire day. The, the you know, it was over then. But because we had that level of respect for our dads, we knew that, yeah, we listened and obeyed to mom. But if it ever got out of hand, dad was the linebacker. And later on in life, I was like, dad, who's the safety? You know, because I played football. And I was like, who's back there in the way, way back? He's like, the Holy Spirit took care of you. Not good. <laughs> that's coming in there with something. So, but I think that's huge, you know, to have those, that, that discipline, they were always together in that. You know, they always were in the same the same mindset um, when I got disciplined. Yeah. Was, I never remember my parents like arguing in front of each, in front of me about no, he shouldn't get disciplined for that, or yeah, he should get disciplined for that. It was they were consistent. Yeah. yeah. And I. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Kayla. Oh, I was just gonna say. Um, I think one of the reasons, one of the big reasons that I knew it was coming from a place of love is because when that moment was over where, you know, I did something wrong, I stinking knew I was in the wrong every time. And I'd go to my room, wait a second, because that anticipation kills. And then, you know, I'd get a spanking or, you know, they'd get a real stern talking to or uh, something like that. Um, After all of that subsided, you know, there was just sweet like reconciliation after that like I could always mom I think when I was little um mom used to say like do you need a hug like after she would do that or something and it actually started getting me teary-eyed because I was just thinking about uh how that is such a cool picture of our relationship with the Lord because whenever we do something wrong and disobey him or uh there's always you know Yes, there are consequences, but there's this just genuine, sweet reconciliation, and it just draws you in. And um, and she'd always be like, you know, "Do you need a hug?" And sometimes I'd be like, "No, no," you know, and I'd, be, I'd kind of be stubborn. But then I'd be like, "Yeah, I really need a hug." And then um, and it would just be better, you know. And yeah. all of that would be forgotten, you know. I don't remember why. Like, I can't really remember like a specific instance. Um, of sin, you know, that happened or whatever, like it was just forgiven there. And we were a family and it was just all taken care of. And I felt just loved and I never felt like I couldn't come to my parents after I got spanked, you know, they would always, they would always welcome me with open arms after that. So I think that was how, how I knew that the discipline was out of love. They didn't hold grudges, long story short. That's good. That reminded me like, dad would say like i'm doing this because i love you but also at the end he's like and now it's i'm i'm done with it. like i'm forgetting about this um and we're moving on and obviously like did you completely forget about it probably not like 
Um, was it completely over at that point? Maybe. Um, but he was true in saying like, this is, I'm done. Like, we're good. We're moving on. It's in the past now. Um, and, yeah. I, and like I said, I never once felt like they were holding something over my head that I did last year or, or anything like that. Like they, they really did do a great job of, okay, I've punished you for this and now we're moving on. Mm-hmm. Clean slate every time. Yeah. Clean slate. It's, I just, I, even what you guys are saying, you know, we're, like I said, we're trying to figure out the discipline thing with our almost two year old. And I feel like the, like the hug afterwards or something is good, not only for like the kid's heart, but for, cause you know, it is hard. Like I don't want to, we're just doing little spankings on the hand or like a flick on the cheek if she eats something that she knows she's not supposed to, um, and she understands, like, we can have conversations, and sometimes the conversations will pup her lip up even more than a, than the, sp- the spanking will. And, but afterwards, there is, like, a, like, she'll kind of, you know, have her lip pupped up, but as soon as you offer her her blankie and give her cuddles again, she'll just, like, you know, fall right I'm into you. And yeah. I feel like it's not only, like, a sweet, you know, hopefully one day gospel reminder to her, but it is to me too where it's like oh I hated that moment I hated having to do that to her but I love her so I'm going to and now like uh, it's normal like things are things are better again and you know just to reiterate <laughs> one of the things I love about you know your pa was was he said like he would actually cry he'd go to the other room and cry after spanking his children and I think there's just it shows you like I think the reason spanking is taboo or people don't like it is because people don't, we don't, nobody wants to do anything hard. You know, I don't want to experience, like, I feel like if it's hard, it's the wrong thing, but I think it's an Or element. people do it out of anger. Or people do, yeah, I, th- I think, yeah. People do it out of anger, I'm sure. And, and uh, but I think the reason that loving discipline is, is there's so much taboo around it is because it is so hard, but it is how God does, deals with his children. I've been reading this book called, uh, uh, gentle and lowly and it's all about the heart of Christ and he's like he's like God does afflict his children but lamentations it says but he doesn't afflict them from his heart and it's like he knows that hey he's going to bring trials on his children he knows but it's not his joy to do it but yet he does it for our good for uh for his glory and and uh, and our growth and and so it is like a wow like that's really hard you know like the afflictions of breast cancer Right, like whoa, that's God. That's really hard, and uh, but yet it's like no, it's not God's pleasure to do it. He's not just delighting in it, but yet He's still doing it, and uh, and it's it's for growth. And so I don't know. It's just a hard, this one is a hard picture, and and I really do praise God for parents that that dare to discipline and uh, and do it, and and I think you know y'all are a pretty good example of it doesn't ruin a kid, you know, and so. Uh, <laughs> So anyways, I, I won't ramble too much. I want y'all to talk, you know. So, uh, I, I, just to say, it definitely doesn't ruin it. I can tell you I'd be a lot worse if my dad and I spanked me. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, even on the note of discipline or just on the note of passing down values, there's always opportunities for failure for parents, you know, like, um, oh, well, I did just discipline you out of anger or I am not living out the values that I 
um, you know, say that, that we're going to live out. And so one thing that I just imagine is pretty impactful is how either your parents or grandparents kind of handled their own failures or sin in front of you guys. And I know that's not a question that we gave you ahead of time, but is there anything that, that sticks out to you about how they handled, you know, their own failures, whether it be just personal or as a, as a parent in front of you guys? I, uh, Two things come to mind. One is my dad when he's at, when he's asked by other people, and he's not asked this like every day. But there's been times where, you know, he's been asked like, "Man, how did you raise your kids to be who they are today?" You know, how did? Or, and people have asked Paul like, "How did you do this?" You know, with your grandkids and your kids all loving the Lord and walking with the Lord. And my dad specifically will say about Kayla and I like, "The Lord raised them in spite of me." Mm. And I remember, I remember hearing my dad say that for the first time. Think, what do you mean in spite of you? Like he. I, if I could be like anybody in the world, I'd want to be like you, Dad. You know, and and but in spite of you, like you have, you've not done all this perfectly. You've not done this right. You've done things wrong when you raised me. What are you talking about? But when he said that, it just, it just, I saw how much he'd he'd have to rely on the Lord because he saw his imperfections. He saw that he he did stuff wrong. He saw his that that there was things that he he wished that I didn't emulate. Him. There's things that he doesn't want me to be like him in, you know? And, and so I, he's very, there, that's that hum, humility there of saying like, God, God had to do this in spite of me because I'm not perfect and I didn't do this all right. Um, he's very vocal about saying that, you know, this wasn't just my great parenting job. Uh, this was the Lord's work in your life. And, and also he's, he talks about, you know, a lot of people around. Um, but the other thing that, that, that I remember um, about a, a, a story about my dad. I remember when I, I was about 14 or 15 and I had just become a Christian. I was a young Christian, you know, young, my, my faith had become my own and I was starting to learn a lot of stuff. And, um, I remember one time in the kitchen, I, I, I had a kind of a knockdown drag out with my dad where I was, I was screaming at him, yelling at him, like, dad, why didn't you do this in front of me? Why didn't you do this with me? Why didn't you do this? And was like a list of things that I thought he did wrong as a parent. So imagine a 14-year-old screaming at you. And you know what my dad did when I did that? He, he stood there. He didn't say a single word. And I, I, I yelled at him for like 30 minutes. He stood there, didn't say a single word. And after, after I was done, he said, you know what, son? I, I, I've tried to do as best as I could, and I love you. And he walked off. And in that moment, I thought, man, I know two things. My dad's not perfect because he didn't tell me he was perfect just then. And the second thing is, and I, I know, though, that the consistency of his character and who he is as a man, I just 30 minutes yelled at him, and he never once tried to defend it. He was confident that the way that he lived in front of me was was glorifying to the Lord. That was enough. And and. He wasn't perfect, but man, he, he did as much as he could and as best as he knew how and, uh, and, and just told me he loved me. And I thought that was, that's stuck with me in my head for, and it will forever. The first thing the like the biggest thing that came to my mind is, um, so when I was younger, whenever mom and dad would like get in a fight or whatever, Mom and dad's fighting. They just kind of yell at each other for like 10 minutes and it's over. But like in those 10 minutes, like I was like, oh, yeah, 
it destroyed me. Yeah. Like I was like, he'd come into my room. I'd be coming in his crying. I'd be like, well, well, I'm I want to go live with Colin and Kayla. <laughs> <laughs> I, I said that. That was my plan. <laughs> and I, also, I was like, Mom, Dad, you ever get divorced? I'm going to live with Kayla. You never see me again. Um, <laughs> uh, I digress. But um, in those moments, Mom and Dad knew how much that affected me, and. Oftentimes, before they would be able to apologize to each other, they would come apologize to me. Hmm. And looking back on that, I really appreciate that just because they knew, like in those moments that they were, you know, obviously weren't perfect and they aren't ever perfect, but like they knew in those moments that they had, you know, failed in that aspect of um, how I was viewing them um, and how they were carrying themselves in front of us as their kids. And a lot of times, like I said, they would apologize to me before they'd even be able to apologize to each other. Um, and just looking back on that, that's really huge to me um, because uh, it just showed how much that they um, loved us, obviously. But they were very quick to um, understand where they went wrong. And being a parent, I feel like it'd be easy sometimes to think like, well, well they don't deserve an explanation for me. Just because I mean, I'm their parent. That just it's whatever. But like that was never their attitude. They were always quick to apologize um, and reconcile with us. Even in those moments when we didn't really need an apology, um, because we weren't really involved or anything like that, but uh, they definitely always did that. Or even if we were involved, um, you know, if we did something wrong or we disobeyed our parents or did, you know, they, if they reacted it out of anger or I don't know, Something, you know, not the way that was God honoring. I mean, they were always, I don't remember a time that they didn't apologize uh, for, I mean, they were just honest about the the truth that like, hey, I messed up there and I, I do want to apologize for that. You still did something wrong and we're going to handle that later. But I did want you to know that I shouldn't have handled it that way. And I apologize to you. So mm-hmm. many times in my life that they did that. Good. It takes a lot of humility, I think, to apologize to a child. Yeah. And I, I think it's uh, that's really cool. It's refreshing. Um, yo, just for time's sake, we want to move on to, uh, yo, some things. You know, just some concluding thoughts. Like, what do you admire the most about your your grandparents and want to emulate in your own lives? Oh, goodness. I love Nanny and Paul. (laughs) Um, On both sides, my my grandparents on both sides are just fabulous, but specifically uh, from the Hawkins side, um, Nanny and Paul. Um, I think y'all already mentioned this, but just their work ethic. I think y'all had talked about that already with values and stuff. I mean, both of them. Nanny was just a hard worker. She had dinner on the table, you know, yeah, every night she was, I mean, all over the house. She would, um, she even had jobs and stuff if they needed it. Um, and she took care of those three crazy boys and she just worked like crazy in the home. She, um, yeah, I just know she has been a hard worker all her life and, um, Pa as well. I mean, you should just listen to his story from rags to riches. Um, and all because of the Lord, too, just the way the Lord has blessed our family and stuff. But um, he, it wasn't, it was definitely like a lot of hard work um, and him trusting the Lord and taking the next step and trusting the Lord and taking the next step and trusting the Lord and taking the next step and, and just working hard through his life. Uh, but I also, something that I thought of was how generous they were, they are, just with all of their 
their life, you know. I don't think there was ever a time where I was like, oh, I can't go over to Nanny and Paula's house because they don't come for me. It's like they were always generous with their time to everybody, not even just their family. They were generous with their resources. They were generous with their um their love like they love the other people in the community and um that's definitely hard work and generosity i think are the two biggest ones for me from nanny and paul i just i look up to them a lot in those aspects i know um the biggest thing that's um impacted my life especially as of recently um being uh, newly married is the fact that like kind of like Coleman already mentioned it a little earlier ago um, about how you know Nanny and Pa are just the best of buds. I mean they call each other, but like it's just they're best friends. They have been for however long they've been together. Um, it's just it's very evident in the way that they live their life and the way they go about their marriage. That like like Kayla just mentioned, Pa has worked really hard and created a really nice life uh, for him and Nanny, but also for all of us. Um, but there's not a doubt in my mind that if all of that was taken away at any point, nothing would change in terms of how they live their lives and how their relationship, specifically Nanny and Pa's relationship, would be. They would still be the happiest, most joyful people on the earth um, if they were still living in their trailer next door to Nanny's parents. Like if they were, if that was still them, it wouldn't matter. Um, and that's really impactful to me currently because, like, my wife and I, we have you know really big dreams and really. You know, we hold ourselves to a really high standard and we want um, all like the, reach these, you know, big, massive goals that we've set for ourselves. But I know at the end of the day that none of that's important. And as long as we've got each other and, and more importantly, got the Lord, like we won't need anything else. Um, so that's that's the biggest thing, especially in this time of my life uh, that I take away from Nanny and Pa. That's good. One thing. I think Pa mentioned it when he was uh, when he was with y'all, but he he has these little nuggets of wisdom <laughs> that we all love to death. It's called his name is Jim. We call him his Jimisms. Yep. Um, some are really hilarious, um, and some are like I mean, it'll just he'll say it and it'll just like a freight train knocks you on your butt, um, which is the truth of it. But I'd say like I feel like. The one gymism of his that is like our family mantra, like it just wraps up everything up, is ain't we been blessed? And there's never been, I can't even remember the first time I ever heard him say that because he literally says it all the time. Um, at family events, like at the birth of every uh, great-grandchild, um, at the graduation, the marriages, all the great stuff, or even every, in the hard times. Every Christmas. Yeah, even in the hard times. Hearing my grandpa say, ain't we been blessed? And how that's really impacted me is just that every time I've heard him say that, every time I've heard our whole family say that, it reminds me that we're to glorify God with everything that we have and that and to give it to him. That no matter what successes come our way, no matter what failures come our way, no matter what hardships come our way, if we have the Lord, we have everything that we'll ever need. And um, him saying, ain't we been blessed? Like, it just has really instilled that idea that um, without Christ, I have nothing. But with him, I have everything. Mm -hmm. And no matter what life throws at me, I am blessed. Mm -hmm. Amen. Yeah. 
I would say that um, when you listen to my grandfather speak, the things that are the pillars in his life that he's based everything else on his life, you can trace all those things back to the Bible. You can trace back the things that he has tried and 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 and, and really tried to lay hold of all his life to be pillars of his life as things that God says, this is what I want you to do, and this is how I want you to live your life. And the consistency of his life is wrapped up in in the fact that he believes that the way that God has called him to live through Christ is the best way to live. And a life that, I mean, he's nearing the end of his life, and he's done that all his life. He's, he's held on to those things. And I think that's faith. It's faith to say, God, I believe what you call me to do is what I need to do. And, and now the older he gets, he's gotten to a point where that's just what you, you know, he'll say, that's just what you do. You just go to church because it's what you do. Well, it's not just a, a, a rote routine thing for him. It's what you do because it's, it's what he believes is what God's called him to do. It's faith. At the basis of all the reason why he does all this stuff is because he trusts the Lord. And, and what's the, the psalm that says the, word, the ways of the Lord are, are pure, reviving the soul, and the ways of the Lord are good and, and right to those who, you know, all those things that, and I, I, I just think at the root of my grandfather's heart and my grandma, I think they believe that. And I think they believe it simply, but I think they've believed it consistently, not perfectly, but throughout all their life, I think they, they trust the Lord with their life. And that's what I want to emulate because I think that, that leads to everything else. When you have faith that God has called you in Christ to live a life that glorifies and honor him, honors him, and the only way you can do that is to trust Christ with your life and, and surrender the control of your life to him. When you do that, you receive that joy that Garrett was just talking about, of that relationship with him. That's faith. And that's, I think, a whole lifetime of living out that faith is is what we've gotten to see um, in our grandfather and our grandmother. Yeah, definitely. Um, I like, I listened to Pa's podcast with y'all and at the end of it, he was like, I'm a simple man, you know, and it kind of just goes back to what Coleman said, like he really just has faith in the Lord and that's how he lives his life. But it reminds me of the song that uh, Coleman sang one time at church. It's um, trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. And I feel like that's Paul in a nutshell, you know, <laughs> like yeah. you can't really, yeah, that's pretty much it. It's simple and it's true. <laughs> yep. And it works. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. And you know, there's a, uh, there's a legacy, there's an impact, you know, not just on your kids, but on your kids' kids. And, and uh, that's what I think is the most, you know, some of the, it's not the most powerful, but it's, it's very powerful. And, uh, and so, I don't know, the Hawkins family, like, like not perfect, but uh, very encouraging. And uh, I think there's some nuggets that uh, I think our listeners can say, hey, maybe I want to apply that in my family, in my life. And, and, uh, and I think God would be glorified through that. Yeah. You know, so, you know, one question I did have, and I know we're, we're running out of time, but, you know, where can people find the Glorylanders? You know, if they want to listen well, to the Glorylanders. Well, first Glory- off, who are, we haven't, <laughs> yeah, we've sorry. not mentioned the Glorylanders. We've, you know, but who are the Glorylanders and how can you find them? That's right. That's right. So the Glorylanders was started with Pa and Steve and uh, Bruce, which is their Pa's nephew. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just the three of them originally and Nanny on the piano. 
And as time progressed, as dad, our dad good. joined the fold. Chris joined the fold. Then Pa stopped singing. Nanny stopped playing the piano. Then most recently, Chris has retired. And I, uh, Griffin, have taken his spot. So now it's us four. Um, Who is the four? Can... It's Steve, so Jeff, Jeff, Bruce, and you? Yes. yes. Okay. Steve, uh, the oldest. Jeff, the middle. Bruce, again, their first cousin. And then me. Okay. Um, and in terms of where you can find us, pretty much anywhere. Uh, <laughs> we we pretty much will sing wherever they ask us to come. Um, Are you on iTunes or Spotify or anything like that at this point? I don't. We got to work on. Yeah, that. we're working uh, on that. Okay, okay. Facebook yeah, get into the 21st century, Laura Landers. Come on. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> get him. Get him. Ruffle man, Griffin. Yeah, you can find us on Facebook, um, the Glory Landers from Cookville, Tennessee. Um, and that's got all of our, like, booking information and, and that sort of stuff like that. Uh, but, yeah, well, pretty much we just – we love to sing. We try to do it. We try to – we don't do it full time because um, we've all got – I mean, I'm in school and they've got their jobs and stuff. So we, we try to sing about – twice a month like two Sundays out of the month we'll try to go somewhere and sing um but yeah I, I love it I've been doing I think this is going on my fifth year now singing with them um, fourth or fifth um and I love it it's one of the highlights of my like week whenever I get because we always get together and sing once a week just so we don't lose it yeah uh, not that we necessarily would but I think it's just an excuse just to get together uh, I really do <laughs> yeah. because I'll tell you we don't sing very much we just talk uh, <laughs> It's all about the fellowship. It's all about the fellowship. <laughs> <laughs> That's where you can find us. Um, give us a call if you're interested. We'll, we'll come to you. And, yeah. uh, and so. Awesome. Thank you. Sounds good. Yeah, well, I, I appreciate it. Yeah, and I know it's difficult to work everybody's schedules to be able to get together. So we appreciate you guys making the time to be with us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, yeah definitely. Thank you for listening to Reclaiming Families. Check us out at reclaimingfamilies.org where you can find our latest podcasts, blogs, news, and events. We look forward to seeing you all next time.